0: Shalom from Jerusalem. This is another edition of Middle East Review broadcasted from the TV7 studios in Jerusalem. And we've had another very tumultuous month here in the uh, Middle East, but uh, what else is new? Uh, We have uh, with us a very, very uh, uh, senior analyst, uh, Amir Oren, a senior journalist who is also the editor-at-large of TV7. Thank you, Danny. Amir uh, is sitting for Iran-Lerman, and uh, all those who uh, are concerned of his absence here, he will be back in the next edition. Unless, uh, Amir, you will like it so much, you will want to stay. I I will compete for the position. Okay, so uh, we talk about these past uh, uh, events in the last uh, few weeks, and I think what looms large, of course, is what happened just this past week, which is the visit of the President of the United States, Joe Biden, Maybe you can tell us, because you have the historic perspectives, about presidential visits in the Middle East and here in Israel. And did they have an effect? Was it a negative effect? Was it a positive effect? And what were the outcomes of this uh, visit, one? And secondly, what should we expect uh, uh, as an outcome of the Biden's visit in Jerusalem and in Jeddah? So, as you said, Biden uh, visited
1: Israel, the Palestinian Authority, And Saudi Arabia, where he met with other Arab leaders of the Gulf Cooperation Council, Jordan, Egypt, and Iraq. And tried to forge a regional uh, understanding, a regional architecture with a view to several common issues. Iran as a common threat, oil as uh, a common issue between exporters and importers. And uh, obviously this was not the very first meeting between an American president and a local uh, Middle Eastern leader. The first one being in 1945, just a short time before Franklin Delano Roosevelt died on his way back to the United States from the Yalta um, Conference. Uh, He met uh, in the Suez Canal in the Great Bitter Lake um, on board the uh, USS Quincy, uh, a warship with Ibn Saud, the uh, founder of the House of Saud and of uh, Saudi Arabia. And at that time, he promised uh, his uh, Saudi interlocutor that he will um, take uh, into consideration the Arab view of the uh, Zionist-Palestinian problem, which, of course, uh, was very, very worrisome to Zionists. Israel uh, was yet uh, to be formed. Now, uh, later, uh, presidents uh, used to host Middle Eastern leaders in Washington. And um, the first one, it's very curious, but neither Lyndon Johnson nor uh, John F. Kennedy before him or Eisenhower or Truman visited the Middle East. But Nixon was the first visitor here. Uh, again, just a few weeks before he left office. Uh, he did not die, of course, but uh, he had to resign. So that, at that was time, the Watergate affair, of course. That was the Watergate affair, which uh, uh, took uh, a heavy toll of the American presidency, along with the uh, Vietnam War. So Nixon's visit here um, did not uh, bring any real outcome. However, his Secretary of State, Henry Kissinger, was very successful in
0: his shuttle uh, diplomacy. And um, Israel sees as a presidential visit, of course, as almost uh, as a strategic value, because it, of course, shores up the... uh, the alliance and the support of the United States to Israel. It shows to the region at large, uh, to uh, friends and foes, that yes, we are together and we are under the, um, let's say, the uh, political, maybe even military umbrella of the United States, so it should help Israel's deterrence uh, vis-a-vis its enemies here. However, what we saw this time is just prior of his visit, just a few days, Hezbollah is sending three drones, evidently more than three uh, to go with a with a clear uh, sign to Israel your digging of uh, Natural gas in your water is at risk. So let's let's
1: separate um, the issues Uh, What you say uh, is current news and of course it's uh, again um, very worrisome to Israel Uh, because the uh, northern border could again conflagrate as it did 16 years ago. However, this is not the most significant issue um, raised by and during the Biden visit. Um, You know, right after the uh, 1967 war, exactly 55 years ago, Israel wanted the United States, represented at the time by Ambassador Arthur Goldberg, Uh, in the United Nations to um, uh, help it get a UN Security uh, Council resolution which will not force it to withdraw from the territories for nothing, as was the case in the Sinai in 1956. And it was quite an achievement for Israel because the uh, Resolution 242 conditioned such a withdrawal on
0: peace agreements and they took it was Arthur Goldberg's uh, achievements uh, personally. Of course. he took the, the territories to territories well yes the,
1: this is this is a uh, not in a, the french but in the yes, english version. this is
0: this is a point a point
1: um, lawyers and menachem begin uh, love to, to raise but <laughs> and arthur goldberg himself yes but but yes he was a supreme court justice uh, uh, and a labor lawyer but in any event for israel it was an achievement um along the years, Israel fell in love with the territories and uh, did not and still does not want to evacuate all of them. So, so right now, uh, Israel doesn't like uh, the, the fact that all administrations um, eventually come back to Resolution 242. What happened on Biden's visit is that he made sure that all Israeli leaders... And the, the accent is on leaders because the population does not care right now. But all Israeli leaders understand that the only formula effective in the Middle East is land for peace, resolution two for two. He, uh, of course, phrased it uh, in the two-state solution context. Why? Because in 1967, Jordan was in charge of the West Bank and Egypt of the Gaza Strip. This is no longer true. There is peace between Israel, Jordan, and Egypt. Um, Israel has uh, withdrawn from Gaza, and Jordan disengaged from the West Bank, leaving Israel to thresh it out with the Palestinians. So the point here is that even President Trump who was considered a great friend of the right wing in Israel, was not willing to let Israel annex the West Bank. What he said was, in his so-called vision for peace, he said in January of 2020 that uh, in four years' time, there should be a Palestinian state. Settlements should mostly stay where they are, but there should be a land swap that Israel should give some of its lands in the Negev, in the south of Israel, in exchange for those lands in the east which it is going to remain in. Biden came back here and said essentially the same thing. He does not get into the modalities of how Israel and Palestine are going to coexist, but there is going to be a swap. And if Israel wants to keep the settlements, it will have to give up another parcel of land. So to wrap it all up, the American position is constant. Israel cannot annex. Israel cannot settle indefinitely. It has to choose between some of the territories under its sovereignty in the Negev, and those which are right now administered by it, occupied by it in the West Bank.
0: Very interesting. And indeed, the Palestinian issue we will revisit in a few minutes. But uh, Amir, let me take you back to the issue of uh, deterrence or lack thereof. Because as we mentioned, Hezbollah was acting up before Biden's visit. Hamas acted up after Biden visits with uh, sending, uh, launching four uh, rockets over uh, Israel and Yesterday, we hear a very, very belligerent uh, statement coming out of Tehran saying, you know, this uh, senior advisor of uh, the leader, the supreme leader Khamenei, says that Iran has the technology to actually have a nuclear bomb. All this is quite unstabling, which to me is counterproductive, or certainly this was not the main objective of uh, uh, Biden coming here, to stabilize to allow more oil, not to do the other way uh, Why is this happening? So um, let us reassure
1: our viewers. Um, it is not so ominous. The sky is not falling. These three events, which you mentioned, are only tactical. Um, and paradoxically, if we take the first two, the uh, Hezbollah and the uh, launches from Gaza, perhaps not by Hamas, by some rogue organization. However, Hamas is considered responsible and accountable, and therefore Israel counterattacked a Hamas position in retaliation. These two were intended to remind the world that one cannot cut a deal with Lebanon without Hezbollah's agreement, or with Abu Mazen, Mahmoud Abbas, the president of the Palestinian Authority, who met with Biden without the consent of Hamas, which is ruling Gaza, and also has a very strong showing in the Palestinian community in the West Bank. So these were reminders by drones and rockets. Signals, they were quite careful on the uh, Hezbollah case, not to arm the drones, but only to send them uh, to uh, on a reconnaissance, but mostly uh, symbolically. They knew that they will be intercepted, shot down, or electronically brought down. And also the Palestinian organization did not try to hit an Israeli town or village uh, for fear of uh, a very fierce Israeli retaliation. So this was what in naval in parlance is called a shot across the bow. The Iranian statement, um, as is customary in the bazaar in Tehran, was intended to put pressure on the Americans to close the deal. And we are probably closer to a deal because the Iranians are very careful not to cross the line. They know that Israel is very credible in its threats. If Israel really assessed that Iran is inching towards um, a warhead, a nuclear bomb or a nuclear missile with a warhead, Israel would have attacked Iran. There is no doubt about it. Neither in Tel Aviv, nor in Tehran, nor in Washington or anywhere else. So this is why Iran is trying to calibrate might might be mistaken, must must uh, might be overdoing it, but uh, it is careful not to overdo it, and to uh, to try and squeeze uh, as many concessions as possible from the United States as
0: they are closer to a deal. And uh, indeed, I guess the uh, Israeli uh, long-time policy is quite credible of not allowing any Middle Eastern country to develop a nuclear bomb. We know what, uh, I guess some call it the Begin Doctrines in uh, 1981 against Osirak in, uh, in uh, Iraq and of course 2007 under Olmert in, uh, in uh, Syria. So definitely uh, everybody should uh, take the Israeli leaders' uh, warnings quite seriously. But one should add
1: another adjective to what you said, not... A Middle Eastern country, but a hostile Middle Eastern country. Because what would have happened if, um, following the Iranian efforts, Saudi Arabia, which is now with a sort of a rapprochement towards Israel, the United Emirates, which is um, in a normalization relationship with Israel, if they went nuclear following the Iranians? because of uh, uh, not wishing to remain under the Iranian uh, cloud? What happens if Turkey does it? What happens if Egypt, again, a country with which Israel has a peace accord, did it? Israel is not going to fly around the Middle East bombing everyone, which is why it wants to stop the proliferation in Iran before the dominoes start falling. So, yes, there is this doctrine, but it doesn't mean that it has to be done kinetically and overtly. There are covert ways, especially now in the cyber era. There are, the you hear about uh, mysterious sabotage acts, obviously, assassinations of key people in the Iranian project. So Israel, too, isn't going to um, all of a sudden uh, go on a bombing spree in Iran the way it did when there was only a single target in Iraq and a single target in Syria. It is much more complicated now and there is no rush because the Israeli military intelligence chiefs and they are in charge of national assessment in this regard, have said constantly that Iran is at least two years away from a bomb from the moment it decides to do it, and it is yet to decide to acquire nuclear
0: weapons. And I think, Amir, this is maybe a a time to uh, point out to our uh, viewers that there is a difference between enrichment. You know, for a bomb, you need 90% uranium enriched, but this is not enough because you have to convert it into a to a kinetic way, into a uh, to weaponize it, and then also to put it on a as a um, as a warhead as a warhead. So this is the two years uh, actually that you're talking about, and it is true that uh, today, with the spread out uh, uh, infrastructure or the nuclear infrastructure of Iran, it's much more complicated. But you know,
1: for the last sixty years, almost ever since President Eisenhower started his Atoms for Peace initiative uh, to share the knowledge around the world for peaceful users. And especially now with internet, there is so much knowledge regarding nuclear physics that if a country is adamant it can develop nuclear weapons. Most countries do not want it, do not need it, and are not uh, happy to invest so much money for nothing because nuclear weapons are going to be in storage. You have to maintain it. You have to maintain your um, scientist and engineer base. Uh, Every few years, you have to put in new material Um, It's a drain on on your treasury. And for what? Better to get the American nuclear umbrella for free. And not only that, uh, when the Americans feared that Israel was going nuclear, they started supplying it with weapons so that conventionally it will feel secure enough not uh, to... uh, to go uh, for the doomsday uh, uh, weapon. So uh, one can see a lot of benefits in trying to flex one's nuclear muscles the way Iran is doing
0: without actually getting there. Indeed, but I think one of the strongest uh, uh, arguments uh, of Israel against the the nuclearization of Iran was that it will... Mm -hmm. Uh, be counter to the non-proliferation treaty. And again, all other countries will Which want Which is Israel
1: is not a signatory. Of, of course. Of.
0: So we are not in breach of any uh, agreement, not internationally and not... Uh, so so it's, very,
1: it's, it's very generous of Israel not uh, having joined the club to, uh, to say to members of the club, look, um, Iran is, is trying uh, to put one over you. So you better watch uh,
0: this member. But there is a tough question for you now, Um, Amir. uh, Were you in a position now to strategically advise to the cabinet, uh, the prime minister of uh, Israel? And we see that there are some already burgeoning signs of nuclearization, although civil ones yet. But we know how it all started with Boucher in Iran. Always you start with a textile uh, factory and then it becomes... Um, military uh, nuclear and we hear now that Egypt has bought or is in the process of buying a nuclear uh, reactor from Russia for 25 billion dollars we know that Jordan and Saudi Arabia are also entertaining the same purchasing what should be Israel's policy uh, vis-a-vis this uh, possibility So there are several issues uh, here uh,
1: which you uh, brought up uh, together. First of all, Iran and Boucher. Under the Shah, uh, uh, Iran started having uh, the first uh, nuclear projects. And at that time, Israel, uh, whether or not it uh, cooperated with Iran on the nuclear field, Israel cooperated with Iran on a missile on a surface-to-surface missile which was called Flower. The Iranian students who stormed the embassy found documents regarding it. So Israel, um, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, is one of the uh, mothers or fathers of the Iranian missile project. Now, even countries um, who have no current plans to go uh, militarily nuclear want to have some infrastructure so they start with uh, nuclear uh, power plants uh, of course Japan which has renounced nuclear weapons altogether being the only victim of such uh, devices uh, has uh, an extensive network of uh, power plants we remember fukushima of course and it can uh, in very short order um, race Toots a bomb if it ever decides to. now as they say a screw turn away Yes, that this is uh, uh, too much perhaps for Japan, but Germany Sweden and other Yes, industrial countries if they they want to do it. They they can now in the 1970s After Egypt moved from the Soviet orbit to the American one there were negotiations between the United States Israel and Egypt regarding um, the sale of um, uh, American nuclear power plants by Westinghouse and others and uh, to Israel and Egypt. Now, they these negotiations uh, failed because the countries involved did not want to commit to the very strict provisions of the Atomic Energy Act, which, by the way, the Atomic Energy Act, the McMahon Act of 1946, was so restrictive that the British decided to produce a bomb of their own rather than get it from the United States, because even the British were not able to get from the Americans. The Americans learned from the British, but then were (laughs) barred from giving it to the British. So they they went their own way. So in the 70s, there was such uh, an initiative, and eventually we see this is still in force. So the Egyptians went to the Russians because the Americans do not have a monopoly, on arms or on anything um, really. If you don't sell it to us, we'll go uh, somewhere else, uh, elsewhere. We go to the Russians, we'll go to the French, we'll go to the Chinese.
0: Well, this is fascinating, very complicated, but what uh, is is, uh, certain, that, Amir, that uh, we will be seized with this issue, the nuclear issue, for a long time to come, unfortunately. and But uh, Israel is uh, gearing up. It's uh, well prepared. And in any case, uh, with all our ballistic, uh, also uh, missile defense, I think we are, although we have a lot of threats, but we are probably the most defended or protected or but, secure but country you know, in the
1: world. But, you know... Um Looking back, of course, the um, strikes against uh, Osirak and then the North Korean reactor in Syria were single acts. Israel struck, uh, Saddam Hussein uh, threatened retaliation. He waited 10 years until 1991 to uh, try and strike Dimona. And by that time, he didn't even have warheads. He had only concrete 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 heads for his missiles. With Syria, Israel feared that Assad will make good on his commitment to strike back. He didn't for various reasons. And the, the fact is that Saddam did not react in 1981 because Iran was involved in a war against him. An Israeli strike against Iran is going to be the start of a very long war, which may also involve the vulnerable Gulf countries. And if Israel strikes Iran without American permission, American bases in Bahrain, in Qatar, in Saudi Arabia, along with the local inhabitants of these countries and the infrastructure, the oil platforms, they are all going to be hit by the Iranians, and Israel cannot protect them all. So it is all well and good to threaten that Israel will uh, hit Iran, but uh, cooler heads up to now have prevailed, even though uh, Benjamin Netanyahu really and sincerely wanted to launch such, a, such an attack between 2009 and 12, uh, There was a coalition against him um, uh, which uh, overpowered him, and one does not see the Israeli leader of the next several years uh, taking such a chance,
0: undertaking such an adventure? Well, there is certainly there is a balance of power here, and certainly everything is going to be complicated. By the way, I'm not sure. Uh, we have only uh, one minute uh, left, but maybe very succinctly. We didn't uh, revisit the Palestinian issue, unfortunately. We'll save it for the next time. But Unless uh, it is solved by the time we meet again. <laughs> maybe, hopefully. But maybe in, in a very short um, uh, answer, when we're talking about this balance between Iran and Israel. Let's say Iran does have the bomb. Do you think Israel is, it would be on its, its first target? Is Israel really threatened by an Iranian bomb? If
1: Iran has not only one bomb, but let's say a dozen or half a dozen, because one bomb can be taken out and then what? So it must have a full array. It will serve for deterrence. No country, is foolish enough to commit suicide by using nuclear weapons against its neighbors or adversaries, we are not going to see it in our
0: lifetime, hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) Well, Amir, thank you very much. That was very uh, educating. That was quite fascinating. And uh, we have not quite exhausted the, uh, the we nuclear are exhausted. issue. But we are exhausted ourselves. But uh, this will be, unfortunately, revisited for many, many times uh, to come. Uh, the Palestinian issue will also be uh, with us, unfortunately, for a long time. Thank you so much for uh, the viewers. And we will see you again in our next show.